Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. U.S. announces visa restrictions on Cuban officials. U.S. Commission on Civil Rights probes hurricane response for first time. St. Lucia's U.K. contract in jeopardy over poor quality of St. Lucia banana exports. Jamaica government presses ahead with national broadband plan. Puerto Rico revenues come in 17.4% ahead in quarter one. And Liet pilots given deadline for accepting severance offer. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, December 1st. We start our report today in Cuba. Bahamanews.net via Voice of America reports that the U.S. State Department has announced new visa restrictions on Cuban officials linked to what Washington says is Havana's ongoing repression of opposition voices in the small Caribbean nation. In a statement released Tuesday, Secretary of State for the United States, Anthony Bilkin said nine high-ranking officials from Cuba's Interior Ministry and Armed Forces are no longer welcome in the United States after they helped target journalists and activists gathering earlier this month for pro-democracy protests. Plans for a civil march for change on November 15 fell through after the Cuban government arrested key dissidents and surrounded the homes of the protest organizers ahead of the march, calling their actions counter-revolutionary, writers reported. Cuban cities were quiet that day despite calls on social media to gather in the streets against President Miguel Diaz-Canel. Those who did turn out were shouted down by Diaz-Canel supporters or arrested. In a statement issued ahead of the protest, Bilkin called for the Cuban government to listen to its people's demands. After Cuban security forces blocked journalists, activists, and organizers from showing up to the march and arrested those who did, the State Department released another statement, this time condemning the island's repressive regime. These new visa restrictions are the strongest action taken by the United States since November 15. In Tuesday's announcement, Bilkin said that nine sanctioned officials were responsible for attempting to silence the voices of Cuban people through repression and unjust detentions. These visa restrictions advance our goals of supporting the Cuban people and promoting accountability not only for regime leaders but also for officials who enable the regime's assault on democracy and human rights, Bilkin said in a statement. The United States continues to use all our diplomatic and economic tools to push for the release of political prisoners and to support the Cuban people's call for greater freedoms and accountability. Cuban Foreign Minister Bruno Rodriguez Perilla tweeted Tuesday that Cuba would reject foreign interference. The U.S. is still wrongly presuming that our government will allow it to provoke social destabilization in Cuba, Rodriguez wrote. The hostile measures announced today do not alter that determination. E&E News Climate Wire reports that the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights is investigating possible discrimination in the federal response to hurricanes that devastated Puerto Rico and Texas in 2017, marking the first time the panel has probed the nation's disaster policies. 
The commission, an eight-member advisory panel that has exposed environmental injustice in federal agencies, has launched inquiries into the civil rights implications of Hurricane Maria, which demolished Puerto Rico, and of Hurricane Harvey, which caused massive flooding damage in the Houston area. The inquiries focus on the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the nation's leading disaster response agency, and the Department of Housing and Urban Development, which has a secondary role that involves distributing billions of dollars of federal aid for rebuilding. The bipartisan commission has no regulatory authority, but its investigations could pressure federal agencies and Congress to change policies if the commission determines that they are discriminatory toward racial or ethnic minorities or harmful to other groups, such as people with disabilities. This is an important turn because the commission hasn't held formal inquiries on any disaster probe before, said Carlos Martin, an expert on disaster policy at the Brookings Institution. It's another step in pushing for accountability by FEMA. The patient inquiries could be big depending on what the final reports state, Martin said. In 2016, the commission investigation into the disposal of coal ash, the hazardous waste created by coal-fired power plants, produced testimony showing that the waste sites were located overwhelmingly in and near low-income, predominantly black neighborhoods. The commission's final report found that EPA rules on coal ash disposal disproportionately harm the neighborhoods. More recently, a 405-page commission report in September on maternal health found that racial disparities have grown over the past 30 years and that most maternal deaths are preventable. Regarding disasters, the commission has gathered extensive testimony from experts and aid organizations describing how people of color and low-income residents in Texas struggled after Hurricane Harvey to qualify for FEMA aid and rebuilding the lives. The commission's investigation into Hurricane Maria is only now gaining momentum. The commission announced last week that it would hold a hearing on December 10th in Puerto Rico on civil rights implications of the federal response and impact of Hurricane Maria. The commission also is accepting public comments on Hurricane Maria until January 10th. The commission's probe comes as FEMA is undertaking an unprecedented internal analysis of potential discrimination in its programs and has revised some policies in an effort to make it easier for low-income individuals and communities to receive disaster aid. St. Lucia Times reports that the poor quality of St. Lucia's banana export to the United Kingdom has prompted a warning that company officials there may not renew a contract next year unless there's an improvement. St. Lucia's agricultural minister, Alfred Prosper, disclosed this on his return from the United Kingdom, where he and local delegations held talks pertaining to the issue. His comments came in a release from the St. Lucia's Ministry of Agriculture. The full statement can be viewed on St. Lucia Times' website and YouTube channel.
Jamaica Information Service reports that the government of Jamaica is pressing ahead with the National Broadband Initiative, which aims to have every household and every community connected to the Internet. The initiative forms part of the government's goal of having a truly digital society by 2030. We are aiming to provide last-mile connectivity to all Jamaicans by 2025, said Minister of Science, Energy and Technology, the Honorable Daryl Vaz. He was speaking at the presentation of laptops to top-performing primary exit profile students by the Universal Service Fund on November 30th. Minister Vaz said that work is being done to expand the national fiber optic and microwave infrastructure to connect schools and public entities. He noted that currently all parish courts and municipal corporations are connected to the microwave infrastructure. We have all also develop a three-tier connectivity plan where groups of schools will be connected to the government's backbone through which they will get access to the internet and data services, he indicated. He explained that this type of network service will give the government the ability to share a single source of internet to various groups of schools, thus providing a single internet service contract for all schools. Minister Vaz informed that upon completion, all Jamaicans will have access to the Internet to do business, work, learn, earn, and develop their fullest potential. The bond buyer reports that Puerto Rico's general fund net revenues came in 17.4% ahead of oversight board protections in the first quarter of the fiscal year. Revenues measured on the accrual basis were also 10.4% ahead of the first quarter of the prior fiscal year, according to data released by Puerto Rico Treasury. Advantage Business Consulting President Vincente Feliciano said a report of a strong Puerto Rico government revenues was good news for bondholders. Puerto Rico Secretary of Treasury Francisco Perez Alicia said he was encouraged by the first quarter. The line of tax on income contributions showed an upswing over what was expected with high rates that ranged between 28% to 30% with respect to fiscal 2021, Perez Alicia said. In addition, we continue continue to observe strong growth in sectors related to consumption. The first quarter of Puerto Rico's fiscal year is July, August, and September. Advantage Business Consulting President Vincente Feliciano said the revenue report was positive news for bondholders as the repayment of Puerto Rico restructured debt is on the basis of board projections and these projections were comfortably surpassed. Revenues in September remain positive, exceeding the board's projections by 24.1%, and the collections in September 2020 by 1%. On Monday, the Treasury also released an assessment of fiscal 2021, which ended June 30th. It said total net revenues on an accrual basis were 10 0.59 billion or 5.6% over the total for fiscal 2020. In related Puerto Rico news on Monday, the Economic Development Bank said the Economic Activity Index for September was up 0.7% from a month earlier and 2.7% from a year earlier. The index value was down 2.2% from September 2019.
The Observer reports that Lennox Weston, Antigua's Minister of State in the Ministry of Finance, addressed the issue over severance pay between the Leeward Island Airline Pilots Association and the government. Weston told the Leeward Island Airline Pilots Association, which represents Liat Pilots, that they have just one month to make up their minds about the latest 50% compassionate payment offer made by the government of Antigua and Barbuda. Leeward Island Airline Pilots Association President Patterson Thompson remains adamant that the offer first put on the table by Antigua and Barbuda Prime Minister Gaston Brown is not feasible, while Brown says the proposal, payable in cash, land and bonds, is non-negotiable. Weston had harsh words for the pilots on Tuesday. We had a meeting and the Antigua and Barbuda Workers Union said they were not accepting the offer. But then some of the pilots figured they are prima donnas and they went behind the union's back and tried to strike a deal with the Prime Minister, Weston told the Observer. The meeting in question occurred on October 8 this year, but Thompson said the pilots made no commitments there to accept the compassionate agreement offer because Leeward Island Air Pilot Associations cannot make such a decision on behalf of the pilots. Instead, Thompson said, if the situation is not ironed out soon, each former employee may have to decide individually whether they will accept the offer. But Leeward Island's Airline Pilots Association may not have much time, according to Weston, who made it clear that the offer will not remain on the table for very long. The same sentiments outlined by PM Brown recently. Furthermore, Weston warned that if the situation is not resolved by the new year, the benefits will not equal the 50% currently being offered. Since more than 90% of the airline staff were temporarily, then permanently laid off in April 2020. They have been calling for their complete severance and other entitlements, totaling nearly 120 million EC. So far, former Liat employees have received indications of support for their plight from regional shareholding governments. Dominica's PM Roosevelt Skerritt assured those in his countries late last year that his government was looking into different options, including direct cash investments to resolve some of the issues and assist staff. And in June of this year, former Liat staff in Barbados received a one-time gift of $2,000 from the Mia Motley-led administration and were awaiting an additional $2,000 per month stipend that was also promised. Leeward Island's Airline Pilot Association is also hoping to meet with Motley and the leaders of the other shareholding governments, including St. Vincent and the Grenadines Prime Minister, Dr. Rolf Gonzalez. Barbados Today reports that Barbadians can now buy a limited edition commemorative coin to recognize the country's 55th anniversary of independence and the transition to a parliamentary republic. The Central Bank of Barbados announced today that the sterling silver coin with the gold-plated finish 
on one side is a unique collector's item or an elegant gift to mark this historic occasion. The coin comes with a certificate of authenticity stating that each one is made of is made of 0.999 fine silver and plated with 24 karat gold. The Osborne Coinage Company in the United States of America minted the coins, which will be available for sale at $200 each from the bank's currency and payments oversight department, starting today, December 1st. HaitiNews.net reports that the New York Mets announced the signing of outfielder Starling Marte to a four-year contract Tuesday night. The Mets did not disclose financial terms, but earlier reports noted the deal was worth $78 million in all. Starling is a premier talent at the premier position, new Mets general manager Billy Epler said in a press release. His play in the outfield makes the team stronger at run prevention up the middle, and his elite base running skills are a perfect blend. He has a winning attitude and will be a huge asset as well in our clubhouse. Marte, 33, split last season between the Miami Marlins and the Oakland Athletics. He had a collective batting average of .310 with a .383 on-base percentage and a .458 slugging percentage with 12 home runs and 55 RBIs. He led the major leagues with 47 stolen bases, tying a career high. The Dominican Republic native has played center field almost exclusively since the 2018 season. Marte was an all-star in 2015 and won a Golden Glove Award in 2015 and 2016. And finally, the Caribbean Journal reports that Turks and Caicos based Inter-Caribbean Airways continues to expand, this time with the launch of new service to Antigua. The nonstop service will include a pair of new routes between Turks and Caicos and Antigua between Antigua and Barbados as well. The Antigua-Barbados flights will operate twice each week. The Turks and Caicos Antigua flights will operate on Wednesdays on Saturdays. For more information, you can go online to the Inter-Caribbean Airways website. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, December 1st. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. And be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Now Meta.